<laughs> you guys, I just might have made a huge mistake because I thought I was recording and it just said recording paused, but um, it's recording now. So for the group, I'm going to say that one more time. Let's. Um... Okay. Okay, so we're recording. Yes, let me just say it one more time, just in case that was uh, the, you know, the uh, 2021 mistake of the year. <laughs> okay, <clears throat> so the model. Circumstances are facts of life. They trigger thoughts. Thoughts cause our feelings. Feelings drive our actions. Inactions are reactions. And that is what creates our results in life. <laughs> okay, guys. So each month we will have a new topic. We talked about thoughts in November when we started this crazy group. And in um, December, we talked about feelings. And now in January, we're going to talk about buffering. And buffering is the perfect thing to focus on for January because it's the start of the new year. Everybody's making New Year's resolutions and whatnot. So I thought it, uh, we thought it would be kind of fun to talk about buffering in the beginning of the year. Buffering belongs in the action line of the model. And all buffering means is that there are things we do to avoid feeling discomfort. So for me personally, I'm an expert bufferer. I like to binge TV. I have been known to stay up, I don't know, till the wee hours of the morning watching Designated Survivor uh, on Netflix like two weeks ago. So that's three years into coaching and I'm still doing this stuff. So that tells you that this is a completely normal human thing to do. However, buffering can get in the way of accomplishing our results if we're not aware or if the buffering is actually taking us out of alignment with who we are or who we want to be. So just again, buffering is all of the things we do to avoid feeling discomfort. And some examples are drinking alcohol, eating or overeating. Um, I should say over drinking because there are plenty of people who drink alcohol here and there and it is meaningless to them. And they're not doing it as a, a function to numb out. So this is like a, a numbing thing that we do. So over drinking, overeating, overworking, that might ring a bell. Uh, over exercise, TV, that's me. And then the social media thing when we just jump on Facebook and then all of a sudden two hours have evaporated. Um, so anyway, that's kind of the simple definition of buffering. But none of this coaching is meant to make people feel bad. It, this is not a judgment at all. This is helping us understand what makes us tick as human beings and understanding we all do the same things and understanding that there are really strong neurobiological reasons why these things happen. So understanding that kind of sets us free a little bit from guilt and shame surrounding it because this is not a guilt and shame game we're playing. We're actually in the opposite business of trying to um, open up to all that life has to offer us and shining light on guilt and shame so that they can, so that they can not be as powerful. 
Um, okay. So I wanted to introduce you to this concept of the motivational triad. This is something that psychologists talk about and some neurobiologists talk about, but it's human. This is what humans have been doing forever and ever and ever since humans were uh, in the earliest human existence. So what we do is we seek pleasure, we avoid pain, and we conserve energy. And this has helped humans survive over and over again. And the seeking pleasure part has been like, you know, sex and reproduction and that sort of stuff. Um, avoiding pain is obvious and then conserving energy so that we like imagine millennia ago where the earliest humans like didn't always have food available. So we ha they had to conserve energy in an effort to survive. Well, now we're in a world where we don't have these like really serious physical threats like lions and, you know, poisonous berries and whatnot. But, but these things are still at play in our brains. And so the seeking pleasure part is something that our brains are programmed to do. And then there's this dopamine um, release that happens when we do something where we're seeking pleasure. So for example, buying something, say somebody who spends, spends as a part of their buffering and you go into Amazon and you're like clicking and clicking. And each time you click to buy something, you get a little dopamine hit or a little release of dopamine. And then that neurotransmitters in your body and you have a sudden jolt of feeling better. And of course it's a temporary, very transient feeling better. So during that period of time, however, um, brief or long it is, it's always going to be transient. And then what happens is you feel good for that period. And then the effect wears off. And then you're back with the original thing you were trying to avoid. And then over and over again, you need more and more and more of the dopamine to get the same effect. And we see this in forms of like concentrated pleasure now, like our, um, processed foods and really hyper sugared foods is um, playing into that dopamine reward cycle. Um, binging things like binge, my personal binging favorite is like the TV shows, Netflix and whatnot. And then it's like, you need more and more and more to get the same amount of effect from um, that buffering activity. So the dopamine cycle kind of gets out of whack and we just need more and more to get the same kind of pleasurable effect. But here's why I think buffering is really important to have awareness about because we're human beings. So we're going to do it. We get urges. We, we don't like feeling uncomfortable and that's completely normal. And there are probably going to be times when we are able to sit with our feelings and feel discomfort and it's not as difficult. And there are other times when it is, and I'm not trying to suggest that that's ever going to go away. Maybe it will for some people, but what I am trying to suggest is that the more awareness we have about this and about this being at play in our lives, then you can recognize it when it's happening. And then if you choose, you can do something about it. You can try to bring yourself back into alignment with what you're trying to accomplish in your life. So um, I've heard it said another way too, where um, like our feelings, 
whether they're pleasurable or uncomfortable, are always trying to tell us something about ourselves or signposting something to us, like something about our value system or something about a need we have or a desire that we have. And so our feelings are giving us this information. And those feelings bring us into alignment with who we are or who we desire to be. If we're buffering and we're avoiding feeling feelings, then that act of numbing out or disconnection from ourselves basically drives us farther and farther away from who we really are or who we want to be. So in an essence, the buffering is the thing that prevents us from moving forward. Um, and that's just an alternative way to think about it. So this is kind of a brief introduction to buffering. We're gonna spend the whole month talking about it um, and trying to dive a little deeper into what it, it actually means and how buffering is at work in our lives. Um, but I wanna pause again here and see if Kelly has anything else to add to that. So just a second. Okay, KJC, uh, Kelly Jean, Kelly Jean Casperson. I don't know what the J stands for. <laughs> <laughs> it's anonymous. I'll never tell. Okay, good. Um, you're very good. Very good. Very good. Um, I think I think the key on the buffering is seeing it and then allowing the urge, which goes back to feeling the feelings. It, at least in my work, because I'm working on buffering with wine right now. And so I'm paying a lot of attention to the urges and it's like, man, those urges are real, but you don't have to respond to them. And that's where all the power is. Okay. Um, I was writing cause I'm, I'm trying to provide visuals for our people here. So say that again, you, you, um, how this is working in your own life. Um, I'm paying a lot. I'm paying attention to the urges that come up that drive the action of glass of wine or beer after work. Okay, so it's like you're trying to see what this urge is and paying attention here and like trying to figure out what that urge is trying to tell you. Yeah, or just feeling feeling the urge, being aware of the urge, whereas, you know, that space between uh, stimulus and reaction, right, of like, oh, I would normally just be like, I have to solve this urge with a drink. And now I'm like, oh, no, this is just an urge that I'd usually solve with a drink, but I'm not going to right now. Ooh, I like it. The, the, the pause between stimulus and response. I think Victor Frankl said something about that, didn't he? Like, yep, he's the famous person. Yeah. So group. there's that space between stimulus and response. So here's your urge. Ordinarily, it would be, we'll just use drink for the example. So because we want this urge to go away or to quiet or something like that. So in this pause here, we have an opportunity to just take, examine, be curious. be curious, be curious about what's happening in your body and your mind, um, examine it. It's like a little, um, a little cushion between the stimulus and response in the sense that you have an opportunity here to change. So you could decide in this period of time, maybe you'll wait five more minutes, or maybe you'll, um, maybe I'll just feel my feelings. Just allow, allow the feeling. Yep. 
feel it. Because the more I've been playing with this, the more I'm like, I used to think there was no space there. It was an urge and a glass of wine. Mm -hmm. And now I'm like, there's actually a lot of space between those two. Yeah, there is. So uh, the reason I brought up five minutes is because I worked on urging during my coach training because I used to drink a boatload of wine. I will tell you, I, uh, I was not, I don't think, you know, having a um, problem that needed, uh, you know, like a doctor for or anything like that. <laughs> Maybe this doctor to help myself. But uh, in the evening time, what I would find was I'd, I'd get home and I'd be thinking about the wine like on my drive. And I'd be thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to cook and I'm going to drink this wine. It's just going to be so relaxing. And I'm so stressed out right now and I'm just going to feel so relaxed. And then what would happen is I would be cooking and then I would one, I wouldn't be paying attention. So I would be one glass would turn into two. And then I, of course, need one when I was eating. So, you know, three a day, every day, if that gets to be kind of habitual is a lot, probably for me, I don't want to judge anybody else ever, ever. So for me, that was getting to be kind of like, yeah, I wasn't sleeping as well. I was kind of cranky in the morning times. So when I was working on this with my, um, with my teacher and coach training, she said, well, what if when you get home, you just give it five more minutes. Because for me, looking at it as not drinking at all felt so depriving. Um, and she said, well, what if you just give it five more minutes? And I was like, well, yeah, totally. I can give it five more minutes. That's not a problem. So that became something really tiny I could bite off and chew. And it's crazy how much development happens in five minutes because the five minutes told me that I was okay. I didn't have to respond to that urge to, to pour a glass and I could wait five more minutes even still. And then that actually turned into the slow process where I wasn't really going for it at all. And now some days I do, and some days I don't, and it's like, I'm like detached from it actually. So this is, this is, a, I think a great thing to think about here, the stimulus and response in that little space between can you talk um, about can you talk about the difference between resisting the urge versus allowing and feeling it? Because I think if you if you did your same scenario and you were just resisting the yeah. urge for the wine, it would probably turn out differently. Can you talk about that? Yes. Yes. Resistance is such an uh, interesting concept because for me, anytime I hear the word resistance, I immediately have this picture of white knuckling in my mind. So for me, resistance would have resulted in um, me like in my body being like, when am I going to be able to drink? When am I going to be able to drink? I just have to hold on for five more minutes and actually not being curious about the urge in the first place. That's how it worked for me. And so that's a really important thing to mention because this whole five minute thing wouldn't have worked if I was just like, gritting, gritting it until I was able to have the timer go off and pour a glass of wine. So there is a difference between how you spend that space, right? Because we could be doing resistance in this space between stimulus and response, no matter what. 
or we could be using this space for exploration, curiosity, um, or just that, like you say, the allowing. And so the allowing for me is to then drop into my body and say, okay, what exactly am I feeling? And I have to name it just as a, like a literal person. I'll say, okay, well, I feel like this tightness up in my shoulders and I feel this pressure here in my chest and I feel kind of jittery and I feel like a little bit clinchy here. And so when I would start to name all of the ways that my body was manifesting the feeling of the urge, then um, it's interesting how they just sort of like calm down. And then I was able to take a deeper breath. And then it's just this process that feeds itself until then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, that wasn't so bad. It just kind of moved through me almost like this, what's it called? Like a gossamer sort of thing, you know? So what does that mean to you? Resistance versus um, allowing. Uh, yeah, I really like the the resistance is like, I'm going to white knuckle my way until this urge goes away. Mm -hmm. Like you're fighting it. Like To me, it's like you're pressing up against a wall. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if I resist it hard enough, I won't want the wine or the food or the, whatever we're going to buffer with, right? Because the buffering is just a way to make us feel better or the way to make us, you know, not have those urges anymore, right? We think it's going to solve the problem, but it's it's not. It's just a quick dopamine until tomorrow. Yeah, it's a dopamine Band-Aid. Yep. Yep. I was in the mm -hmm. OR yesterday. It was super funny. I was in the OR yesterday and we were talking about alcohol in this, in the, alcohol really increases a woman's chance of breast cancer. Mm -hmm. And so we were really talking about like, wow, that's what alcohol does. And we don't treat it like that. And we're like, damn dopamine. And we're like, if there was only something that could give us dopamine, that wouldn't be, you know, wouldn't be bad for us. Like what's the adult dopamine? And I'm like, sex. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's not bad. There's no calories and it does, it's not like a toxic uh, neurotoxin. <laughs> yeah, it's, but, um, you know, I didn't write porn down here probably because I'm a sexist too. And I just assumed that porn wouldn't be as high on a list for a women's group as it would be say for a men's group. But porn is another way that uh, some people buffer. And I guess that's the only way I could think of to where that might be disruptive if it was yep. not sex, you know, like sex per se, but like the porn addiction sort of thing. Yep. Um, then you're, again, then you're, you're buffering to try to, and a lot of times we see with, with porn addiction and, and the experts will argue whether there's an actual addiction there or not, or it's just truly buffering. Mm -hmm. Is it, it uh, is used a lot for people with high anxiety and poorly controlled anxiety. What? Okay. Yeah. Wait, what? Yep. Tell, 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 this is important. Let's well, just in kind of understanding why people go to porn and why people need to buffer with porn. Uh, mm -hmm. And the, a lot of the reason is not because they have an insatiable sex drive, which is what a lot of people would assume, mm -hmm. but it's their, it actually kind of helps their anxiety because it's such a dopamine release. So they're basically oh. treating their neurochemicals with it. That's interesting. Super interesting. Yep. I mean, that's, that's like a kind of a vivid example of what buffering does for us because we're, we're trying to make the bad feeling, whether it's anxiety or whatever, go away. And 
dopamine is pretty effective until you need more and more and more for the same reaction. Um, okay, and then exercise, I think, is a, another one that probably creates a dopamine hit, but then, and it's obviously something that we all probably agree is a healthy thing for us to do is engage in regular exercise, but then there are some people that can over-exercise and, and it becomes an unhealthy uh, an unhealthy coping mechanism if it's, you know, over. Yeah. And I think that helps with the, just the definition of buffering of like, mm-hmm. nothing's bad in and of itself, short of us using, you know, cocaine or something for buffering. But, but the point is why we're doing it and, yeah. and why we're doing it to try to escape bad feelings. Mm-hmm. You know, we're using it in a maladaptive way. I should be studying for my boards, but instead I need to watch Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um, I was, uh, I'm reading a book or listening to a book right now called The Body is Not an Apology. And it is amazing for anybody who's interested. Um, And she talks a lot about if the thing is nourishing to you or not. So that's an alternative way to think about it. Like, is this thing that you're doing nourishing the person that you are, the person you want to be, or is this thing that you're doing toxic to you? Is it not nourishing that? So it's an alternative way to think about it. Okay. So let me open this up to our, um, other, the other people in the group to see if anybody else has any questions they'd like to ask. You can type it up in the chat. Um, we'd be willing to listen to your beautiful voice as well. If anybody wants to ask a question live, I'll just wait a minute there. And um, we have like a half an hour left. So if there are not questions, then I'd like to open this up for any coaching if anybody wants to do some coaching. Coaching. And if you don't wanna do coaching, I will continue to wax poetic or Kelly and I can continue to chat because I did some serious buffering in the last couple of weeks um, dealing with an incident that, um, I was involved with at the hospital, but it's interesting how this time around, um, it was different because of these skills that I've developed over the past few years. Um, in times past there, I mean, there, I checked out completely from my family, from my life, from myself. And I just was like this ghost person when I would buffer in the past. And now it's almost like, it's kind of interesting. Cause I'm like, Oh, I'm buffering. Of course I'm doing that. Of course, because this thing that I just went through was painful and of course. And so it's almost like these, it was almost funny in a way. Cause I was recognizing all these human behaviors. And then, and then I just worked my way out of it with the model. So um, okay. So nobody's volunteering. Kelly, is there anything else you want to add or any, any coaching you want to do? Mm, well, I could, you could, we could run the model on my urge for wine yesterday. Yes. Let's or, do it. Okay. <laughs> All righty. So the first thing we do anytime we're going to run a model, um, for those of you listening, is we want to get a thought download. And that's just kind of saying the paragraph of, of thoughts that are swirling around in your brain. 
So tell me what was going on. Uh, and it was the end of the day. I had done surgery. Uh, things had gone well. It was just the end of the day. So you're just wrapping up, heading into the locker room to go get changed. And you're just thinking about like, what are you going to have for dinner? What are you going to do when you go home? You know, kind of just going through that. And I was like, ooh, urge to drink. Okay. So let's put, would you say that urge was in the feeling line for you? Yeah. Okay. I guess. I thought it was a thought. Like, I'm going to have wine. I don't know. So the circumstance was end of day. Yep. Circumstance was end of day. And, and uh, does it matter that it was an OR day? Nope. Okay. Um, and then, so, and then you're in locker room. You're in locker room and you're having thoughts. And what you, you mentioned a couple and you're just like, um, you're thinking about the wine. Can you tell me more about that? Um, I think it was just coming into like, what am I going to do for dinner? I was going to pick up some Thai food, just kind of, you know, planning the okay. evening. So, um, you have this urge to drink wine. What do you think was the thought to create the urge? I need to relax. It's New Year's Eve. I get to relax. I get to. I deserve to. I need to. Which do you think is the truest for you? I'm going to. I'm going to relax. Okay. So then it doesn't sound like you're trying to avoid a negative... Um, it doesn't, it doesn't sound like you're trying to avoid an uncomfortable situation. Is that, I, you know, I agree. You know, it's interesting that the more I've been coached on stuff like this, cause they'll be like, why do you think you need to relax? What are you trying to relax from? You know? So like, there is something of like the day was, you know, stressful or away from your family and you're going mm -hmm. to relax of like, why do you think you need to relax? So that's been fun to explore. Right. That's if you thought I'm, I need to relax, but this is just like, I'm going to relax. Why are you going to, so let me ask you this. Why are you going to relax? <laughs> right. I like, you know, it's interesting. So it's like, well, cause I can, cause I'm at home. Okay. Well, does that mean you're not relaxed at work? Maybe. Cause you're on, you're your type, your type A surgeon, right? You're not truly relaxed. At least mm -hmm. those are my thoughts. Okay. Even so it was a pretty, it was a good day. Did, were you feeling, aside from the urge here, because I want to get to the model first that led to it. So ah. the, um, so you're like, I need to relax or, or not. I need to, sorry. Um, let me just wiggle this out for just a second and say, you're having this thought, I'm going to relax. And when you think that thought, how do you feel? Um, excite, excited. But I think I also like was feeling, cause I was exploring this yesterday. Mm -hmm. Like I truly did check in with my body. I was feeling kind of tight. Oh, okay. Um, so were you feeling so like tense or closed or, yeah, or just like on, you know, cause you're at work and you're on. Okay. Like tight, um, tight energy. And when you feel tight, what do you do? I want to fix it with buffering.
No, I want to go through the model, like kind of in painstaking detail for the pay, for the people, for our people. So like when you are feeling tight in your body, uh, that is going to drive your actions too. like, let's just think about all of them. What, so you're going to drink wine, I guess. Drink wine. What else will you do? Talk. I got to get my energy out. Okay. Uh, okay. Get energy out. What else? Exercise. Okay. Drop, drop into my body and just feel it and be like, it's okay. It's safe. Nothing's actually gotten wrong here. You're just tight. Okay. Um, this is like an emotionally intelligent model. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So anything else? Is there anything you're thinking about? Do you have a thought? I'm, I'm, I think I'm always thinking about where I can put my energy. Like, what else can I do? What else needs to be done? What else can I solve? Who do I need to talk to? Like, it's all just kind of putting energy out in the world instead of just being still. Okay, so there's even energy in your thought process. Like, yeah. Like so the thinking part, okay. And then, so the result here is, what's the result here? That you relax? No. <laughs> uh, I think it's me expending more energy and then I still think I need to relax. So does this perpetuate some kind of a cycle of energy here? Rather than helping you get your energy out? Does that make sense? I'm trying to make the model, like I'm trying to help understand the model first and then we're gonna try to transition into how that translates to an urge. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I think, I mean, and going back to the results, you know, always loop back to the thoughts of, yeah, I think me doing all those things mm -hmm. does make me relax. Totally, totally relaxed when I drink wine and exercise and talk. Okay, so the result is you relax. Do you think it's real relaxation or is it, or is it apparent relaxation? Mm, good question. No, I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> well, this is why I ask, right? Because we have to understand the thought in the beginning. Like, is this thought a directive you're giving yourself? Is this thought like some sort of judgment of yourself? Like I'm so tight or, or um, like I'm so you know, I want to understand this a little bit better. Or is this just kind of like, yeah, really nonchalant, I'm going to relax. I think it's a nonchalant, like pre-programmed unconscious thought that happens at the end of a workday for me. Okay. So sorry, my daughter's crying in the background. It's only 8.42 a.m. <laughs> must be a problem with the iPad. Okay. So this is a nonchalant, not, it's, you're not judging yourself or anything here. You're just like, I'm, it's just like, you know, kind of like I described 
earlier when you're driving home and you're just like, gosh, it's going to be so great to like, just chill out. It's like, yep. Okay. So when you think that thought, do you, do you feel like tightness is still the feeling that is, that's driving? Uh, I think the feeling is like either tight, it's either tightness or anticipation. Could be anticipation. Ooh. Yeah. This is how the model works, guys, because we don't know what's really at play. And then we use this as a tool to figure out what is really at play. So I do this all the time where I'm like, I think it's one way. And I think the thought is this causing this. And as I work through it, I'm like, oh, really what I feel is anticipation. Okay, so now let's see if anticipation. So when you're feeling like, ooh, that anticipation feeling, then would you say these are still the actions that you're doing? Yeah, I think it's uh, how I choose to kind of, how I choose, right? And I think wine would be the, for me, the unhealthy choice or the mindless choice. Mm -hmm. So that's one pathway. Yeah. Whereas I just thought it was like, wine is how you relax. And now I'm like, no, 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 that's just one option. It's, well, not, abs it's not absolutely necessary. It's interesting how in everything that we see around us, like media, TV shows, um, we get messages a lot and, and it makes alcohol um, seem very normal and almost like you're not normal if you're not drinking I noticed this when I was watching a, when I was binging a show, I was binging. It was that show with Tom Hanks' son. It's a, um, it's a sitcom and I forget the name of it, but like every scene people were drinking glasses of white wine and I'm like, Ooh, that looks so good, but it's super normalized. And that's just one example. It's like normalized everywhere. So of course these are the messages we take in and it just sort of like seems logical that like that's how human beings relax because everybody around us is relaxing with this really pretty glass of white wine um so i can see how just drinking wine would just seem like this thing that's not a big deal and it's probably not a big deal for a lot of people and it's important to recognize when it's a big deal for you and when it isn't so do you think it's a big deal for you Do you like, do you like what it does in your life? Uh, I mean, I like how it helps me relax and it's enjoyable, but I think as I'm getting older, I'm just tolerating it. I'm just tolerating it less. Like I just don't feel good afterwards. So I'm, I think that's why I'm really exploring. Like, you know, I'm reading a book right now, which is basically like Chrissy Teigen just posted on it because she's stopping drinking and mm -hmm. it's like a feminist discussion about like how we've been normalized to think that this is a normal substance but it's actually a, a neurotoxin and it affects our body really poorly and so I'm like what am I doing so I'm just being very curious about alcohol and society in our lives right now in, in a fact that I'm like it doesn't help women get through menopause at all right and I'm like I want to really have a healthy body so I'm really questioning its role in my life right now Okay. So this is really interesting, Kelly. So your goal, the result you want is a healthy body, right? And so now we can, 
we can see how this model, if you're like, I'm going to relax. And then, so you're anticipating um, or feeling that sense of anticipation. And then the actions when you feel that sense of anticipation is to drink wine or talk or get your energy out or exercise, drop into your body. Or, you know, if you have, we all have our thought loops and you're thinking about what else can I do? What else can I do to get the energy out? And that may seem like it produces relaxation because, you know, this produces relaxation for a short period of time. And basically all these things are going to help you produce relaxation for a period of time, right? It's, that's why I was wondering if this was like real relaxation or if it was like apparent relaxation. So if, and, and that's all fine and good because, you know, basically all feelings are transient, right? It's just a matter of what we are able to allow in our bodies. But really the thing that you're seeking is like a healthy body and a healthy body. One aspect of having a healthy body, I would guess is relaxing sometimes. Would you agree? Yep. And so now, now we can go into like this sort of intentional mode where you're like, okay, well, is this really helping me have a healthy body? And is this really going to produce for me a true sense of relaxation rather than a, like a faux, faux relaxation? And so then you could actually look at all of these things and, and examine them and determine for yourself, what is getting me closer to this goal of healthy body? And what is taking me farther away from this goal of a healthy body? And this is going to be different for all of us, which is beautiful. It's different for everybody. And we all just get to decide, is this working for me or not? Is this nourishing me or not? Is this bringing me into alignment with the person I really want to be or not? And um, I like how with this, we can identify what it is you really truly want. And then now you can go back and be like, okay, well, what's working? What is it? So now yeah. let's talk about the urge. So, okay. <laughs> well, I, I just like, I mean, I like how this, it, it really shows how expansive you can get between the urge to relax and you choosing what you're going to do to relax. Because so many of us live in the default mode of like not thinking about it. Yeah. And then we get into these patterns that may or we may or may not actually want to be in. That's exactly right. And so look at what you discover too. It's like this rich um, knowing of yourself, right? It's like this richness of figuring out who you want to be and how you want to move around the world and, and how you want to feel inside your body there's this richness in that pause between stimulus and response. So if you have this urge to drink, right. Um, or whatever it is for me, it's the TV. And if I have that urge and, and in this exploration of using the model, figuring out what it is I really, really want or what it is, I, um, you know, I'm still figuring out who I am. Cause I spent like 40 of the last 43 years being, somebody else that I thought other people wanted me to be. And then I turned 40 and I was like, well, this isn't working. 
And that's when all the coaching stuff started. And so now it's like, yeah, I'm trying to figure it out because I don't have all the answers about who I am and who I want to be. And it's been this super fun exploration to, to determine that and to kind of like meet myself and understand, yeah, this, this is, this is who I am. And I'm like really excited to be this person and move about the world this way. Um, but this model is just like we've demonstrated now with Kelly's, um, wine example shows us one of her results she desires and one of her goals and the person she wants to be. And this is how the model can be used for other people as well. And the other thing I love about this is, is like, you could just try to resist the wine. Yeah. Right. And how that's just going to be so much more difficult than being like, no, wine is just one option that is used to relax. Now I have, look at my plate of six other options. And now I can see that wine doesn't actually align with my healthy body desire. And you're like, oh, then I don't, it's a lot, you don't have to resist it anymore. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It gives you some freedom. It gives you some freedom. It gives you some freedom. And when we, um, when we divorce ourselves from messaging that's coming from everywhere, uh, alcohol is a great example because it's so it's everywhere. It's, you know, on every TV show and bars and every outing and every party and everything is like, well, it's not going to be fun if there's no alcohol there, or it's, it's going to be such a drag if I'm not drinking or I'm looking forward to the drinks or whatever. It's like alcohol is a great example of this. And if we just divorce ourselves from what the external world has said about the use of this um, chemical in our lives and just determine for ourselves what we want it to mean for us, then, um, gosh, I am like really, I'm a tangent person in 2021. <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say. Just totally forgot. No, it's perfect. It's perfect. And then once you start seeing it that way. Yeah. I mean, to me, I'm like, I can't unsee it that it's a neurotoxin now. Right. Like so it's it, like a light switch. And it, it's perfect that it's happening on like New Year's Eve for me. Because <laughs> I'm like, oh, perfect. Yes. But uh, yes. once you just start seeing it in a different way that it's not just this default thing that goes with pasta. <laughs> that's exactly right. So that's, that's kind of, you were following my tangent better than I was, because that's exactly what I was trying to suggest is that like all the, the external world is not the truth. We get to decide what's the truth for ourselves. And um, that's where the curiosity, I think curiosity is a wonderful tool for us in coaching and in life to just always question, be like, oh, hmm, that's interesting. I wonder why that is, or I wonder if this is good for me or whatever. It's like the curiosity can lead us to places that we wanna go as well. Okay. Um, okay, friends and family, do we have any questions on that? Questions on buffering, questions on the model, questions about anything really. I'm just going to pause again.
if they don't, we could spend just a couple of minutes talking about urge. Yeah. And I think a big thing for me that was mind blowing is like the worst thing that can happen is you feel a feeling. Yeah. That's true always. Okay. So we'll talk about that in just a second, Kelly, because we do have a question here. For someone starting out with this, what are some suggestions on getting started with the model? Pick one area, time of day. This is a great question. So thank you for posting it. There is no rule about how to do it. So uh, like I know I have different thoughts than other people on it. So I'll give you my thoughts and I'll ask for Kelly to give her thoughts. So I am a person who I do well with like the compound effect where I pick the minimum amount to get the result. And I try to reproduce the minimum amount on a daily basis, kind of like in the form of um, when we're trying to form a new habit. So for me, um, the primary thing that gets people started is getting in the habit of doing thought downloads, which is what Kelly just posted. A thought download is when you just dump out your brain on a piece of paper. Uh, it can be done many different ways. Some people like to journal for pages and pages and pages. Other people like me, I limit myself to one page. I have a six inch journal that's really small. I do one page, I do it in the evening time and I do it for like three minutes or less because I know that's for me what I can do consistently. Um, the reason I like to do it in the evening is because I have a, my brain spins out of control a lot. And so if I do that in the evening, it's almost like putting it outside of my brain. And then I sleep a whole lot better. Um, other people prefer to do it in the morning. Um, so I think just the thought downloads in the very beginning are the most useful thing you can start to do is, uh, and that's because it helps you gain awareness about, what your brain is doing. It just, it's like, it comes to light these things that are swirling around in your brain. Now, picking a topic is another way to constrain, um, but you don't have to. Sometimes I just do a stream of consciousness. I just like, just write down whatever is coming out and I don't edit and I don't try to judge anything. And then other times, if I'm working on a particular problem, then I'll constrained to that particular topic, but it doesn't matter. So Kelly, what do you have to offer about getting started? Uh, I, the thought download, cause that's just, it's just getting it out. Cause sometimes you don't even know kind of where your tension or feelings are. You, you can't think it out. Like there's something truly to pen and paper to like get it out. And, but the other thing I think for, for new people is becoming the seer of the thoughts. I'm just like, Oh, that's a thought. Mm -hmm. Oh, is that, is that true thought or how oh, I'm having a thought about wine again, huh? And just like see being the seer of the thoughts, I think really helps to realize like they're transient. They come, they go. We don't know why they come in there. Nobody puts them there. We don't put them there and just kind of start seeing the thoughts for the kind of baseline activity that the brain does. And I think we've never, ever been taught to like see our thoughts. And that's kind of where, you know, meditation and Buddhism comes in. It's the goal is not to not have thoughts. That's what the brain does. It's its default operating system. So the goal, I thought for the longest time, the goal of meditation was to quiet your thoughts and to not have thoughts. And now I realize it's just to see the thoughts. Mm -hmm. They come in, 
they leave and just becoming aware of that. And then you can start noticing patterns of like, man, I have the thought that I am not a good mom all the time. That's a repetitive thought for me. Maybe that's the one I should work on. So just kind of paying attention to like the, the little ocean that is the, the baseline of the brain. I love that, Kelly. You're so right. Um, and I have come to a similar conclusion that the, I used to think my thoughts were who I am and they were just like true because I was thinking them. And this awareness has helped me to see that I am this entity outside of the stories that my brain makes up because that's what thoughts are. They're sentences, they're words strung together that, and like you said, that's just what brains do. And instead of trying to uh, make them go away or whatever, I just have so much awareness about them now that it's almost comical to me. Um, it's, it's that watcher kind of distance that you gain from just having awareness of what your brain's offering. And in the beginning, I think that's enough in the beginning, just, it can be kind of overwhelming actually to, to really take this kind of distanced look at what your brain's offering you and then seeing kind of what is at play and how you can then start to determine how that's affecting your life, like where your energy is and, you know, how your goals and that sort of stuff are being impacted. So I agree with that, starting with thought downloads. Okay, it's nine o'clock. So that's the end of our hour. We are delighted. And there is a function at the website, which is coach at women, uh, I'm sorry, coach at commonthreadwomensurgeons.com. So if you have other questions, you can always email and then we can post any, um, anything that's useful to the group, we'll post to the ask a, ask a coach button on the, on the site. So until the fourth, the fourth is our next event. We love you. Happy new year.